Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter and we'll bring you joy. Everybody, my name is Neil White, and you are listening to the Big Interview with Graham Hunter. This is our monthly Q and A show where Graham answers questions from our socios who support this podcast at patreoncom forward slash Hunter. Those guys get early access to everything we do. Uh, they get extra content from Graham, and they help us put these Q and A shows together. I do hope you heard part one a couple of days ago, which was all about the Leo Messi situation at Barcelona. Today, we are looking forward to the new La Liga season, which starts this very weekend. We have a lot of questions in front of us, Graham. So let's start by hearing from Socio Tom Lee. Graham, Neil, Martin, hola, buenas, que tal? Uh, Socio Tom Lee here with a slightly self-indulgent, but our socios are allowed to be indulgent, are we not? So here's your challenge, Graham, please, in three sections. Some months ago, you correctly hit the bullseye. You told us that Real Madrid would win La Liga. Uh, in 2020 took a bit longer than expected due to the pandemic but they did indeed win thank you very much money in the bank for those of us who took the hint and had a bet Uh, will it be a repeat in 2021 or will there be a different name on the trophy the winner please also the stylish entertainer is my second category a la Real Sociedad last season they were brilliant to watch Uh, They were great on the road. I know they had some dicky results at home, but superb outfit to watch. So the entertaining team of La Liga 2021 uh, and also the surprise package, category three, please. Um, I think that some of the performances and the results ground out by the hard spiny Hetafe last season were something to marvel at. Uh, So those three, please. Uh, The winner, the entertainer, the surprise package. Thank you very much. And Graham, before you address the first part of Tom's question, which was for you to pick your La Liga winners, I'd like to add something that's been sent in by another socio, Will McLeod, who says, Hi Graham, I'm looking at the other leagues in Europe and wondering if Real Madrid are about to join Bayern, PSG and Juventus as perennial league champions. Real Madrid looks stable and well run, while Barcelona's crisis seems to go far beyond Messi and the second tier of clubs have a significant gap to bridge. How likely is a period of dominance now? Well, uh, well, um, talking about self-fulfilling prophecies and periods of dominance, you're responsible because Neil tacked your question onto Tom's audio for the longest uninterrupted run Neil has had on this uh, podcast. Thank you, Will. Uh, and everybody benefited from it. Let, let there be no question about that. Um, so let, let's start with Tom. Thanks very much for the compliment, Tom. I thought it was clear last season that Madrid could and would win. Um, I was even clearer after the restart, and, and, and so it happened. In this instance, um, I'm not going to carve out, uh, but hold on a second, 
deliberately to try and make the season sound enticing. Uh, what I'm about to argue against Real Madrid are, are things that I think are at least um, feasible and are interesting. Madrid should win. Madrid should win the title because um, Zidane has got a knack of turning this group, um, largely this group, there hasn't been massive changes during his two spells there, into into winners. I think that clearly winning the European Cup three times in a trot is his premium achievement. But taking a side which was so awful, so hapless the season before last and making them title winners, it, it stands comparison with anything else he's done as a coach. I think that, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a brutal, blight-written malaise of a situation when your worst difficulty is how do, how do I cut down on the number of quality players I've got? Every single manager in the world would swap all the shit that they've got to put up with with Zidane going, oh, jeez, I've got, I've got at least eight too many good players. And, and therefore, I think that unless they um, somehow shoot themselves in the foot in a very, very dramatic way, and there are one or two interesting thing if they were to lose Courtois for a long time Lunin is is and Lunin the Ukrainian national goalkeeper is, is patently very good but he's also extremely inexperienced it could be that he comes in for a Courtois if Courtois were to, to do I hope he doesn't but if he was to do his knee break a leg whatever Lunin would at minimum be put in a situation that he's not used to I think that it's also clear that irrespective of this being a squad that's got goals all over the place, Benzema, um, I mean, I forget, I, I had all the birthdays racked up and we're recording on Luka Modric's 35th birthday. I think Benzema turns, whatever, 33 in, in deep midwinter, um, somewhere December, January time. And, you know, is it feasible you would ask for Benzema to carry a 58-60 game season aged 32 and 33 irrespective of him being in absolutely brilliant shape irrespective of him being wholly concentrated no French games to distract him irrespective of the fact that he was absolutely blindingly brilliant last season does he have an out and out replacement if he were to be injured no he doesn't Luka Jovic hasn't made the grade and until Bayern, until Real Madrid changed their their style of supplying the forward. I'm not 100% certain that he can either. Uh, people talk about there being no cover for Casemiro. I, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I disagree with that. As a single pivot in a 4-3-3, is there an out-and-out -out cover for Casemiro? No, but could they play 4-2-3-1 with, you know, rotating Cruz and uh, uh, Modric and Valverde in, in the centre of the park? Yes, they could. Um... So, while Madrid are outstanding favourites, uh, and, and really, people say there'll be no transfer business done before October the 5th. Again, I disagree. I think that in the case of them getting players out, somewhere around the rate that they're doing at the moment, where they've put uh, Brahim away to Milan, and um, you know they've, they've done two or three other deals that are, are starting to generate, you know, in the region of high 60 million euros, um, of money coming in and, and, and wages saved, I think that if Madrid can find a way 
to parlay uh, Luka Jovic's form from Eintracht Frankfurt into a club that says we'll take a punt on him. We know that our playing style will, will uh, replicate the way in which he flourished at, at Eintracht. Then I could see them doing that deal, getting some money and, and looking for a second centre forward. That I could thoroughly believe in. Tom, how to, how to broaden this out and make a case for others? Um, I say in my latest ESPN column, which I'll read to you uh, very soon, that Cholo Simeone had a, a, a punt at buying Luis Suarez. I thought that was a genius move. Um, Barcelona were, were having none of it. Suarez wasn't particularly keen to play in the same league as Barcelona. He, he just didn't, he didn't, that didn't really fuel his appetite. It's very close to being done. By the time you listen to this, it might be done to Juventus. And therefore, what I'm saying as I drink my tea, pardon me, is that Simeone recognised exactly what he needed. And people made the mistake of thinking Luis Suarez isn't massively quick and athletic anymore, and therefore he doesn't fit an athletic team. Well, what about Costa, for f***'s sake? <laughs> you know, Simeone has been pegged to that man when he wanders, he ambles around the pitch and doesn't score. Suarez, in the right team, is still utterly flipping brilliant. He's an outrageously smart centre-forward. And in the right type of athletic team, including an athletic Atleti team, I think he's still got a 20-25 goal season in him. And that's what Atleti are missing. So they're not going to get uh, Luis Suarez. But were they to be able to trade out a couple of their players, keep the vast bulk of their squad? I mean, get, for example... The, the major trading problem they have is that they want to clear 100 million euros of debt by selling a player or players. They don't want to lose their big players. I don't know how they do that. They've overpaid for Lamar. How they get money back in him, I do not know. And Chelsea wanted all black, and it looks like that's not going to happen either because Chelsea has spent so much money or because Atleti aren't willing to sell all black. You know, anything short of his buyout clause, which is over 100 million. But if they keep all black, and if they moderate their debt respectively and keep the the broad shell of their of their squad and add a striker, a, a striker that that will give them twenty twenty two goals this coming season, suddenly they're in contention. Whether they've got the player that can be as good as Suarez would have been for them, whether so pardon me, whether that can happen, I, I don't know. If they could, if if somehow they could pip um, Barcelona for Lautaro Martinez and keep the bulk of the squad, then I'd be saying, mm, look out, Real Madrid, you've got a contest in your hand. Barca can't win the title. And therefore, the one that interests me most of all, Tom, is Sevilla. They, like Atleti, are short of a of a real... Um, they'd love to have an elite striker, but that's not what we're talking about Sevilla being able to get. They're short of a striker that can give not only better than Luke de Jong six goals. Let's not be blinded by... Uh, the winner against United and two against Inter in, in Europe. Let's look at his ponderous movement, his lack of connection with the creative players at Sevilla, the fact that he's not particularly, he's not got a sprint, and the fact that he scores six goals in La Liga. He's he's a hell of a bloke. They love him down there. He's a, he's a terrific character. He's down in legend now forever because of those three goals in Lisbon, uh, you know, each of each of which were very good goals particularly too in the final, showed his quality. So uh, whether they keep him or sell him, they need to find uh, a young Kevin Gamero. Um, they need to find a young uh, Baca. Um, and 
to be honest with you, if Sevilla bought a striker, and I've used this stat often now, so so soon you probably know it, but in the six games when they played the other top three uh, from La Liga, Atleti, Barcelona and Real Madrid, obviously in those six games, 18 points were available. They won, they won three of them. They won three points out of 18, I think, and scored four times against the other top three. That can't last if Sevilla are to be title contenders. But if they keep the, the vast bulk of their squad, they've traded up well. Oscar Rodriguez in midfield will get free kick goals and goals from outside the box in a way that Joan Jordan never could. Um, Rakitic isn't Banega. Banega's a horrible loss to all of us who love football. But Rakitic is, 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 loves the city. His, his wife was desperate to get back there. He's close, close friends with Monchi. He is a proven winner. Um, the shit that he was given by Barca trolls on, on social media was disgusting. Um, he's really pissed off at Barcelona. I'd back him to score the first and probably both times they play Barcelona this season. And although he's eminently different from Banega, he's three or four years younger than Banega, still a good athlete, still a good pro. I think they've done pretty good in the transfer market so far. Monchi's record tells us that they could still do better. If they get a big goal-scoring striker, then maybe, maybe, maybe they can compete for the title. Okay, so that covers the winners, which was um, close one of Tom's question and was the area that we're always concerned with. Tom also asked about the entertainers, which team you're maybe looking forward to seeing play the most. Yeah, well, that, sorry, without having mentioned Will, and thank you, Will, for being in touch, um, you know, when you talk about perennial winners, even though I've made a case for the circumstances in which Atleti and Sevilla can challenge Madrid, I think the likelihood, given the availability of money, the strangeness of the market, the demands that are going to be placed on tired bodies who have been thrown all out of sync. We didn't immediately see the damage of a three-month shutdown in Spain when they came back, but we've what we've got is that three-month shutdown plus a, a, a cramming in of games, one every three days um, to finish the season. Many of uh, the players that are going to be crucial in determining the league then played on in Lisbon, um, you know, it's going to be not enough of them had proper rest, a proper break. The preseason has been odd. So we're going to see odd things this season. It's going to be, and you know, well, it's going to be you know, a brutal uh, campaign. And as such, I think depth is probably going to be the key thing that elevates, you know, even including their class at Real Madrid, Depth is going to be the thing that wins them the title. However, I think it can be competitive. And in your question about, you know, perennial domination, <laughs> Real Madrid are the underdogs. Real Madrid are the breath of fresh air, Will, no? You know, we live in an era whereby since, what, 2009, Barcelona have won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight titles since 2009. I, I found it next to unbelievable that Real Madrid have defended the title, defended a title win, once in 30 years. So if they, if they are going to go on to be dominant, well, I'll say two things. Um, if you've listened to me long enough, you'll accept the little jokey tone I had there about Real Madrid being the underdogs and the breath of fresh air. But, you know, meantime, I don't think many people can complain if it's not Barcelona, apart from Coulet's, if it's not Barcelona for a little while. Secondly, you know... They may have inbuilt advantages and people may point at privilege, but it does turn out that Florentino Perez's about turn when he saw 
in inverted commas, nation state clubs. And he said in public, which was very unusual for him, we can't compete with their money. His idea about hiring a special uh, Juni Califat, a special team to, to, to go and scour Brazil and come up with um, three footballers. Two, one of Rene is going to be loaned up, but two of which, you know, look special in Rodrigo and Vinicius. And then to go out and sign other youngsters who he believes will come through, that investment is beginning to pay off, I think. Um, and, and therefore, I, I ha having often criticised Florentino Perez for, uh, first of all, the, the Galactico ethos, and secondly, when things were difficult for Real Madrid, the lack of a, of a, of a Bible, the lack of a, a clear footballing vision, I am now happy to praise him for having told his football people, here is our new idea, get on with it. So I don't think, well, at the moment, they are threatening to dominate because they're the only show in town. Monchi makes Sevilla special. Atleti have consistently proved how special they are by winning European trophies, by winning La Liga, by being competitive in the cup, by um, beating Real Madrid in the, in the Super Cup, um, the European Super Cup, that is. And, and therefore, I don't think it's quite the same as um, either the domination of, I think you name Bayern, PSG, Juventus. I think Real Madrid are, are, are you know, great as they are. They all may be the all-time great club. They're still, you know, putting their elbows on the parapet to try and raise their head above it in, in comparison to Football Club Barcelona. And therefore, all I want to do is, I think that their superiority at the moment is merited. Um, Neil, does that, um, does that answer the, the, the question that you left me with? I think so. Although you're, you know, filling the prediction of um, Madrid for the title with a couple of caveats around Will's point, I, I think some of the things you said kind of play into his hand. You know, that idea that there's a, an age profile emerging at Madrid that could go for a few seasons. If, if they solve the sort of successor to Benzema and maybe add a little bit of depth and, and the right age profile at the top of the pitch, then everything else you said kind of suggests that there's an opportunity. If not a, a probability, then there's an opportunity for them to build a team that, that has that sort of continuity over the next three, four, five years. I agree. I agree. Well, look, I, I, I won't go on long now, but, you know, the ones we haven't mentioned, Militao is young and is establishing himself. Yeah. Mondi, I think, is fantastic and was a real pleasure to watch. And his partnership with Vinicius. Mondi is young and this is his second season. Vinicius and Rodrigo, if you toss the two in together, you know, they don't reach 40 in terms of age. Um, and and their, mm, their attitude and maturity um, has been a pleasure to watch since they arrived. Valverde's 22 turning, turning 23. Um, Lunin is young. Um, yeah, Odegaard is, is young and, and fascinating. Uh, Asensio remains a youngster and, and is, is scampering around with the joy of a guy who's back after a year out with a knee ligament injury. So, yeah, you make, you, you make a good point there yeah, that if you, if you broaden the focus rather than narrowing it as I did, then, then yeah, what we've got is a team that I think people like us who make this community on this podcast, it, it, every, I'm talking about every socio, whether you're a culé or not, I think that there's an era coming whereby we can enjoy watching Real Madrid and enjoy commenting on them. And we can, we can, that, that, I'll, I promise I'll stop now, Neil. But that in co-commentary 
what I love is if you look at Azard and Benzema. Oh, Azard's not a youngster, but this can be this can feel like a first season to him because of the degree of uh, what would you call it um, interruptions through um, lack of fitness, uh, then injuries plus the shutdown. And I, you know, I interviewed him in 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 the brief shutdown, and I put it to him. I said, you know, are you in a position? Are you with players? whereby if you get yourself right, you can have your best season ever. He said, I think I'm going to have my best season ever. So partnerships I go back to. If you think about Azard Benzema, if you think about Mondi Vinicius, if you think about Asensio Benzema, and if you think about the potential for Odegaard Valverde, to me, um, it, it I find them, I mean, they're clearly imperfect at the moment, and, and you saw that in the way that they, they faded against City. But I find them a hugely exciting and interesting bunch to watch. Okay, then let's wrap up Tom's other two points, which were the team that you're looking forward to watching, the entertainers, and also the surprise package. Yeah, okay. I think the obvious one that we go to, um, they're they're not unique um, in this, but Villarreal, I hope, will be that. Um, I'm unsure about the mix of Villarreal and their new coach, but when they've got Danny Parejo and Taki Kubo, and they've got Gerard, and they've got Paka Alcacer and Chukwesi, then, you know, it, it's going to take a spectacular piece of mismanagement for them not to be entertaining. They were, and I lament the way that Javi Kayeka was, was treated and sacked. I, I really do. Emery has given us um, extremely entertaining football, whether it was, um, you know, Almeria or Sevilla. Um, PSG as well. Let's leave Arsenal aside at the moment because it's a different case. But, um, and, and you know, if you compare Emery Sevilla with Lopetegui Sevilla, Emery Sevilla and, and, and Valencia too were, were, were extremely exciting. He's, he's very keen on, on positional play. He's not a guy in, for any means who ignores defence, but he does back and enjoy the spectacular. And, I want to go to Takikubo. Takikubo looks to me as if he can be exceptional. He's always going to have the slight disadvantage of being an extremely tidy, tight, small package as a, as a physical being. Um, but his dynamic runs, his confidence, his decision-making at that young age, I... You know, I really find him immensely exciting. We've yet to find out whether his temperament can grow with the the demands that are placed upon him. But when you mix that with with Parejo, I love watching Ibora. Um, Pedraza's back. I hope he gets used properly because, again, although a little bit maverick, he can be huge fun. There are others. I could go and say, look, I, I hope and pray that Joaquin, even though he's, I think, 52 now, um, under Pellegrini at Betis, can be, you know, with Fekir, um, they just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. And and David Silva finding his feet uh, for La Real, uh, again, it's a, he's a gem to have in our league. And I'll finish on one that's kind of been forgotten because he was so frustrating and it's amazing... To, to, to think how stormy life has been at Barcelona, that the storm over this guy has been forgotten. But Dembele is, is 
one of just as much as he's the one of the most frustrating players around because he can never spend a week fit at Barcelona at least. When Dembele is on form, he is up there with I think literally anybody as one of the most fearsome and exciting and dangerous footballers around. He needs blinkers. He needs a good coach. He needs to be taught in his personal life how to focus on, like, you know, coming to training every day and how you perform at training every day should be treated like it was the Champions League final, which he doesn't. But once that happens, and if Tom's question was entertainers, then I see no reason why he shouldn't be on the list. And then um, the final one from Tom was about a surprise package. And, and please may I go for a trust factor in saying that if Manuel Pellegrini can get the best out of the supply chain to Borja and Loren, and if he can buy one or two proper defenders, fundamentally, I think that with the squad that they've got, Lainez, Fekir, Joaquin, Borja and Loren properly supplied, Canales, um, I would like to believe that if the goalkeeping position and a couple of the back four can be improved, then maybe Betis can be a surprise package in that we're not talking about... Top, I know, Tom, we're not talking about top four. What we're talking about is we might be surprised to be able just to enjoy them for playing good, attractive, potentially winning football instead of behaving like the Keystone Cops and bumping into one another until they fall over. Great stuff. Thank you to those guys for those questions. After this short break, we're going to be looking at the relegation candidates. We're going to be looking at the signings of the season so far. And we're going to be going Basque to the future. And we're back, socios, with a question from Sean O'Keefe. Thanks very much for getting in touch, Sean. Sean says, once heard Messi being described as looking like a member of every indie band from Cork in the 90s. However, my question is about my beloved Kadith. Are we doomed? And before you get to that one, Finley McDonald asks, do you think the mighty Abar will survive in the top flight again? Sean, I think that if Cadiz are your beloved team, then there's every chance you know more about them than I do. I look at the fact that Wesker coming up, Wesker going down um, the season before was a product of how steep their learning curve was because we all know that the football Wesker played in the second half of the relegation season, the signings they made... At the, in the Christmas mark, winter market were extraordinary. To be enveloped in the type of scandal that they had and being bumped out of the league and to come back and win the Segunda at the first time of asking. And if you look at Whisker's structure and squad, I think that, well, for once, because the, the promoted teams in, in Spain, you know, to, to fight your way out of the Segunda... And and the degree to which squad planning and the degree to which signing clever coaches, whether it's the coach who's taking you up or not, and the emphasis in Spain on fantastic sporting directors means that sides coming up generally 
in recent years, not always, obviously, have had a fighting chance not only of staying up but doing well. And Westcott, with the year experience that they had in 1819, plus a year experience of, of winning the title coming up, means that they'll be viewed with um, a suspicion that it's feasible that they could stay up. And if you look at Cadiz's performance, um, they, f- they fight um, Wiska tooth and nail until the last day of the regular season. They come up, you know, clear without the playoffs. Thank the Lord, you'll be saying. Um, so that even though, even given that they lose in the last day against Albacete, Cadiz go up naturally and they go up one point behind Wiska. Now, in my view, that tells you that it's clearly the case that Cardiff can be competitive about staying out of the bottom three. That's what I think we're talking about. And I, Sean, I, I need to be honest with you. With the amount of business that they've done, so for example, um, if, uh, if the main goal threat is going to be Alvaro Negredo, then potentially what we've got on our hands is a massive story. Um, it's been so long since he's been a powerful feature in the Liga. And if he were to come back and have one of those Roberto Soldado seasons where at the end of the term next May, we're saying Negredo has just rolled back the years and how brilliant his experience has been and he's bullied green defenders, then that would be fantastic, wouldn't he? Um, I think that it's a site that, if I read it correctly, is not going to be... Hugely, de- I think Cadiz because of the the allegre of the city, because of the wild supporters, um, y- you'd you'd say that the most natural uh, emblem of them would be daring, attacking, thrilling football, um, or and and certainly using the ball well. That's what I think everybody associated historically with Cadiz would have preferred. I don't think the site's going to be particularly like that. I don't know enough about the transfer business. You know, I said earlier on, I'm not going to sell you fish and tell you it's meat. I think probably, to be honest with you, and I'd be, I'd be, if you want to jot down your thoughts on Cadiz for the coming season, Sean, I would read it with, with, um, you know, with pleasure, because when you know there are certain clubs that I can that I watch a little bit of. I maybe know somebody involved with the, the club, and when they come up, I'm better informed on them. Cadiz is is just. I, I was down at your stadium uh, last season. The city is obviously uh, fun, if a little windy, down near the Atlantic coast. Um, I enjoyed being in the stadium. I enjoyed the whole um, feeling then about this could be a club uh, on the up and up. It's been a club mired in controversy, obviously over you know, recent years. And I'm excited. I'm sad that um, one of the things that Cadiz would normally bring to La Liga, their, their magical fans, isn't something we're going to see for months and months and maybe at all this season. Who knows? You say doomed? I hope not. Am I optimistic that given the competition and the cutthroat competition to stay up, that they can stay up? First of all, Sean, I don't honestly know sufficient to say to you, yeah, don't worry, here's what I can tell you is going to happen. That, that, that wouldn't be me, Sean. And, and secondly, you're right, I fear for them a little bit. 
but the preseason has been okay. If I'm not wrong, they beat Espanyol the other day. And can we leave it, Sean? Can we pact and say that um, I'm hopeful and that if you send me some links to Cork indie bands from the 90s, then the next time we speak, I'll find some lyrics and a song title to go with by with my summation of uh, whether Cadiz can or can't survive in La Liga. Probably. And Finley was asking if you think Abar can survive this season. Let, let me let me see the obvious thing. Mendilibar has been magical, not just in terms of how he coaches, but the standards that he sets and the way in which he somehow squeezes the absolute maximum uh, of players who, if I'm completely frank, mightn't individually look like footballers that can keep them often mid-table. I think that, um, Finlay, when you look at the way that... When Abar were forced to restart um, last season, Mendilabar was going out of contract, so were significant footballers in there, and they fought like tigers. They managed to stay up. Um, Mendilabar didn't know whether he was staying or not, signed an extension, and kind of said, not on my watch. We're not, I'm not leaving. They're, they're not going down. Um like this and I, I thought it was one of his, his great triumphs going forward all the great fairy tale stories eventually um, prove themselves to have been magical because they're so unlikely and Abar are surviving in a cutthroat high spending league when you know the town that surrounds them is a town of about 62 people. It it literally shouldn't be possible. What was the what's the is it Joe McGinnis? What's the book? The Miracle Neil of Castel di Sangro. So, you know, I guess when, you know, when I was growing up there was a little miracle when Swansea I think went up from what was division 4 to the top division division 1 season on season and began to perform well in Div 1 and I think maybe even got European football. I mean, I remember the absolute furore when Parma not only started winning, but built a fantastic squad. And yet they had the power of a massive conglomerate behind them at that stage. And Abar probably stand comparison with any fairy tale story in Europe during my lifetime, I think. I'm not certain that people feel that it's quite so romantic. Um... They haven't played European football. It isn't regular that they take the big scalps um, in in La Liga. Not regular, but it happens. And therefore, I would have said that for so long as Mendilibar is there, then Abar failing to cope and and slipping away lifelessly going, well, we've given everything, our, our resources are tapped out, we're going down that I don't really see happening. I think one of the unsung heroes of not only this story, but I think one of the best players who gets almost no credit or profile in La Liga is Dimitrovic. And if Abar lose him, and you come back to me and say, is it now feasible Abar could go on, go down? And I think given his age, his height, his profile, his quality... Dimitrovic is, an, again, for my money, when they started badly a couple of seasons ago, 
and, and looked horrific. Dimit maybe it was last season. Dimitrovic was the guy who was the rallying point. Week after week, he turned defeats from being slaughtered into minimal defeats. He turned what looked like a narrow defeat into a draw and he turned draws into wins. I think he's extraordinary. And therefore, albeit that you can pick character and fighters right throughout the squad, um, Oriana's gone and I think personally they would miss Dimitrovic much more than they'll miss Oriana. And is there sufficient quality in the squad if you look at it to say automatically, Finley, that they're, 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 this is only the year where the fairy tale will continue? No, it isn't. They've got to be, until the market closes, they've got to be candidates for that bottom six, seven places whereby if you have a bad run of form, terrible injuries, suspensions... If, if things go against you, if a player misbehaves in training and, and, and the atmosphere is shot for six or seven weeks, they are candidates clearly to, to be in that um, quicksand. But do they automatically paint? Elche will go down, I think. I've got no question that Elche can't survive. So we're talking about two places. Do they go down? It's feasible that they stay up. But I say again, two, three critical matters. Mendilibar must be retained. Looks like that's possible. They have to do well. Net, they have to do well out of the remaining month of the transfer market. And they have to keep Dimitrovic. Okay, we've got a question now from our sponsors at Bet365 that I'm going to slightly modify. The guy sent in this question. is: they Sevilla, Real Sociedad and Villarreal have all made some really smart signings in the transfer window. They ask about their... Chances to make a, a sort of shock run at the title, but I think you've covered that in our in our first question. So I want you to to look at the first part of their question, which are the signings that those three clubs have made, and maybe pick out one or two that really strike you as sort of pivotal pieces of business. Well, um, all right. Let's you know I've talked so much about uh, Takikubo uh, of Villarreal um, in the first part of this. Um, this this double header that although I'm tempted to speak about him again maybe what we do is look at Danny Perec for example because I think oh yes please Danny is the type of footballer whereby and he's proven this whereby if he feels a little bit out of sorts if he gets mm, is lost the right word if you get him plugged in and concentrated, he remains, even at whatever he is now, he's, he's 30, 31, that area, he remains one of the best midfielders in Europe, not just in Spain. I mean, he's, he's literally a delight. When uh, Valencia went cup final winners and top four, I don't have any question he was not only their best player, but he was playing football at a level that immediately puts him near... Um, Banega and uh, Riquelme and footballers of that ilk. Maybe not quite at Riquelme's absolute peak, but Parejo is somebody who doesn't simply treat the ball well, use the ball well um, and write the theme tune. He's one of these guys who can dictate the, 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 the tempo of a match, not simply as the individual match requires, but he knows his teammates well, such that he can dictate the tempo of 
when one of them is given the ball, when he will dictate, he will, he's got a computer enough brain that if a striker makes a run that Parejo thinks isn't just the wrong run for the situation, but he knows that if he waits, the next run will allow him to deliver the ball onto the left foot or the right foot or with a back to goal or heading the ball on the run or whatever it might be. I think he's that good. He, he has often been in a situation whereby if he doesn't feel that everything around him is being done well, um, that if he doesn't feel valued, when he loses concentration, he's not one of these rock-solid guys who's like, I'm good in all weathers. You know, I'm waiting to see what the relationship with Emery is like. I'm waiting to see what it's like when the... Well, I was going to say when the crowd... If there's a crowd at the Madrigal... What it's like when, instead of Santi Cathorla setting the tempo, who's a different kind of footballer, it's Parejo, slightly more languid-seeming and not running into spaces like Santi did. There'll be a slight change of pace in terms of how the ball's used at Villarreal. So if it doesn't click, then I suppose what I'm saying is it's not a shoe-in that, that Parejo's the right guy to go to, but I hope it's him. Uh, I wanted to talk about the, the, the move, freedom contract, uh, Valencia to Villarreal. Did that surprise you that that was his destination? President Reutsch at Villarreal first tried to buy Valencia and was told to, to beat it. And therefore, even though there was an existing rivalry between Villarreal and Valencia, which is a modern rivalry because Villarreal sits cheek by jowl with Castellón and Castellón for the vast part of modern Spanish football history, Castellón was the by far the bigger side. And therefore, the, the Villarreal-Valencia one, although it's very fresh in all of our minds now, and we've got many socios who are much, much younger than me and won't have known any other uh, rivalry locally in that region other than, you know, the hour distance. It's, it's like a Liverpool-Manchester United City-Liverpool thing because it's exactly the same distance between the two cities. Um, and Villarreal poking them in the eye all the time, given that they're such a tiny community, has been very you know, unsettling for Valencia. So, number one, if you take Danny Parejo out of it, the fact that even in their, their difficult financial straits, Valencia were al- would allow, I think, a total outlay on Danny Parejo and Coquelin going to a bitter rival, which is nearby, who, when they come back, and if they do you damage, is going to cause much more grief from your socios, to, to get those two to shore up a midfield that already had Anguissa and Ibora in it, that was I thought it was extraordinary business. I couldn't believe the amount that, that Villarreal had to outlay in order to get them. It, it, it threatens to be extraordinary business. Now, you know, Villarreal lost the other day in a pre-season match to Levante. So we're going to be looking at it and saying, when do they hit peak fitness? What's the click between the, the current players and the new players and the new coach, Unai Emery? And I I foresee it being, I, I think in my tour, I never, I never like to speak in euphemisms unless I'm making a little joke. So to I think this is a question from our sponsors. I, I have to say the Villarreal-Emery combination is one that I don't automatically think is, is guaranteed to click. If it does click, because he's got huge experience, he's got huge talent, he's proven that he's a trophy winner, if it does click, it can be very, very exciting indeed. And and therefore, to your question, I think, yes, 
it's enormously, it, it speaks about Valencia's position um, economically that they've allowed this to happen because otherwise they would want to avoid it at all costs. Coquelin has been very, very good, not only at Valencia, but good as a, a shield for Parejo. And if Parejo can hit form under Emery and supply Chukwesi and Gerard and Paco Alcacer and Kubo, then it could be the absolute dog's bollocks. Sorry, that's a Spanish... Most people won't know what the dog's bollocks means. It's a Spanish saying. Um, the other questions, I guess, were about... Um, a good signing at Sevilla. Then I've spoken about I've spoken about Raki. Let's just say that Oscar Rodriguez, um, brought up through the born near Toledo, born about an hour from Madrid, brought up in the Real Madrid Fabrica factory, which is what they their their is their version of La Masia, is is a footballer who hasn't fitted in at Real Madrid simply because there's been nobody willing to say, well, you know, we'll you know we'll sacrifice Cruz or or Modric, or Isco, or Asensio. Oscar Rodriguez, to score 13 times in La Liga before he's 22 for Leganes, tells you something special. I think, and, and Luis Enrique is promoted into the Spain squad. Um, he gets his game twice in the draw against Germany and the victory over Ukraine. Um, when he was sent on by Luis Enrique against Germany, you know, Oscar Rodriguez got relegated with Lega and and it's just turned maybe just hasn't quite turned twenty two yet. It gets sent on, you know, against Germany at a point where Spain are losing, and Luis Enrique says, "Get out there and just do what you do every week for Leganes, and and if you get the chance, pull the trigger because, you know, you can score from distance." And he does that. He does well enough in about I don't, I can't remember eight nine ten minutes, and he comes on again much earlier against Ukraine. Plays well, unleashes a shot that cannons off the bar. Uh, uh, you know, if this was happening in, in, say, England or Scotland, where you know you and I, Neil, have done our, the majority of our work before I moved to Spain, and and somebody pl- at twenty one playing for a relegation team was being brought into the national team and told you're in charge of doing what you want because you're good enough, there'd be a big furore of it. But because there's so much happening in the Liga. Oscar has pitched up the Sevilla where the first time he heard about Monchi wanting him, he said, yes, I'll go. So we have had loads of questions from our socios about the two Basque clubs, La Real and Athletic Club. So uh, let's see. Let's start with an audio question from Richard from Huddersfield. Hi, Graham. It's Richard in Huddersfield. Hope you're well. Uh, happy new season to you, mate. I just want your views on the big two Basque clubs, uh, please, for the new season. La Real obviously tailed off a little bit after the uh, restart. Can they build on last season? Obviously, Erdegaard gone. Uh, David Silverdale looks a canny buy, as uh, you Scottish people say. An athletic club kind of stumbled across Raul Garcia as a strike. It was an interesting experiment in the kind of last two months of the season. What can they do this season? Be great to hear your views, mate. All the best. Thanks very much, Richard. Uh, on similar subject matter, Daniel Dale wants to know about David Silver in. Odegaard out at La Real. Uh, Philly McDonald wants to know about the possibility of Javi Martinez going back to Athletic Club. Well, I, I think an obvious one. Uh, uh, Athletic are, are largely going to be the same this season, and we all know the reason why. It's very difficult for them to sign and sign well. Would I love to see Javi back um, at Athletic? Yes. 
is there a possibility that it's next summer instead of this summer? Yes, because economically, there's a lot of wrangling to do about whether Bayern want a fee, how much the wages would be. Athletic are a relatively shrewdly run club. Would Javi Martinez back at Atleti give them authority, whether it be in central midfield or at central defence? Yes. Um, would he give them a lot more set-piece goals? Yes. Would it be a big help to Raul Garcia? Um, yes, because defences at set plays uh, wouldn't be as able to try and crowd Raul Garcia, who's very good in the air, out because Javi Martinez is also exceptional in the air. This is a guy who um, experienced a World Cup win, a treble with Bayern Munich. So repatriating, irrespective of um, the fact that when he left, it was pretty bumpy, would be a good idea. I- I'm a big fan of his, and-, and there's no way that we can argue that he's currently fulfilling his potential or his dreams at Bayern Munich, nor is he, nor is that situation going to change in his favour anytime soon. Um, what should I say that, that adds to that? I think that um, Supercos will know this um, because of how much he, tr- he used to travel around Spanish football. But I think that Unai Simon um, was thrilling last season in terms of how quickly he, he came to terms with the responsibility of being athletics keeper how quickly he managed the pressure of playing against the big sides home and away but also if you just simply take away um, his um, his adaptation at a relatively young and, and very inexperienced age I thought that we saw a fabulous keeper in the making um, in terms of concentration, attitude, aggressiveness, ability to make double saves, um, flawless, no, but very quick to um, assimilate an error and, and to get on with things. He looks like, I, th- I think when I spoke earlier in, in the podcast about talent not being enough and character being very, very important, he looks like being a huge character. And for my money... Um, it's patently clear that Chelsea got the wrong man when they chose Kepa. And they might not have scouted Unai Simon sufficiently. And it, it's evident that this is, you know, we're just coming off the back of his one breakthrough season. And and keepers are, are like, you know, elite golfers with, with the yips. They can get something in their head for a little while. Whatever it might be, just general housekeeping, like Joe Hart, we used to be a very good keeper, but spill things and, and, and lose rebounds. Or it can be cross balls, um, which certainly was the case with Tersteg. And it, there may be things coming, as we discover more about Unai Simon, where we say, ah, gosh, yeah, his natural game is very good, but this element actually is something that needs structural work. That might happen. But I think that he is um, another exceptional Spanish youth product. He's only 22, 23, therefore... You know, in terms of lifespan and learning time, he's got oodles of time. And I think if he has another season like that one, I'm sad to say, he'll automatically be a target for big clubs who are saying, geez, I don't really think we've got the right keeper. So Unai Simon, I intend to enjoy a lot um, while I can. And I've got someone that, um, you know, when your eye catches um, a player like Oyan Sunset, you 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 can be deceived and and because of particularly because of the pandemic i've not had the chance to be up in the basque country 
You know, I don't want to lose touch with players. The, the, the players who are, you know, medium term in La Liga or long term in La Liga, the elite footballers I've met, I've talked to, uh, sometimes I've travelled with, interviews are interesting, you learn about them quickly, but Oyan Sunset I've never met. And therefore I can't supercause talk about his personality authoritatively. But when you look at his football and his balance, just the fact about what he's able to do in terms of um, using space, his touch on the ball, his distribution on the ball. There's an enormous amount of promise there. And because of the unusual situation at Athletic Club, where they have to develop, it's really, develop or pinch from other Basque clubs. When you've got somebody emerging like him, it's vitally important that that he's maximised. It's obviously disappointing at any club. If you sign a footballer, like if I, just, a, just a cheap example would be Kleb, who looked fantastic at Arsenal, came to Barcelona, you know, and, and kind of thought he'd made it, smoked a cigar, fell off the side of a cliff. When a signing like that doesn't work, it's disappointing. But you can cut your losses, sell them on, get somebody else in. Uh, athletic, That you can't have that experience with anybody coming through. So how Sunset develops will be, you know, extremely interesting. And I suppose you were right in saying that um, Raul Garcia is something of a phenomenon because he, he's, he's not as He's as great a footballer as Adorith, who sadly we've lost. But to be getting better and better and scoring more and more aged 34 is is very um, is very uplifting. And he's cheeky. He, he, he knows all the dark arts. He's aggressive and competitive. And he came to the rescue of the club because, you know, when Garitano took over, he talked immediately to Iñaki Williams about shooting shooting earlier, finishing from distance. The first time he, he felt he was free of a player, have a go at goal. And that was a really clever thing, like putting blinkers on a racehorse that is quick, but, but a little bit erratic. Because Garitano understood that, that the more that Inyaki was finishing without much thought, the more he was putting on target and the more that went in. That little blip, once Garitano took over in the, in the two-thirds of a season he had before last, seems to have dissipated and, and Inyaki Williams is now a case that needs special attention because his goal total isn't good enough and his ability to do the right things consistently without his mind wandering isn't good enough and that needs work for which reason I hope Supercause that we see something from Kenan Kodro who whenever I've watched him I've thought yeah you should be playing more or Via Libre, who's younger and who began to feature at the end of last season, but quite patently, not just because Adorith has gone, but because they've, they've got a solid, aggressive athletic side. Um, athletic need goals. Okay, so that moves us on to um, Daniel Dale and also the second part of Richard's question, which was uh, about L'Areal. And um, Daniel wants to focus specifically, I think, on what they've lost with Odegaard and what they gain with David Silva. And the first thing to say, uh, Daniel, about La Real, it doesn't really concern David Silva. As exciting as it is to have El Mago, the magician, back in La Liga. Hell of a nice guy and somebody who I think exceeded all expectations, perhaps even in his own, by not only dominating at Manchester City and becoming a club legend, but being able often to play in deep midfield when... I think for Spain and Valencia, that was almost never asked of him. And yet in the hurly-burly, uh, ten-pin bowling, knocking little men over of the Premier League, he excelled. 
it's been extraordinary and it's great to have him at Anoeta, particularly given how quickly Larial moved in order to secure him when it looked like he was going to Rome. So why don't we start with him? Well, look, Daniel, it's first about finding out whether um, or who it was at Real Sociedad who stole Morgana Le Fay's black cat, walked under a ladder on Friday the 13th, and then broke into a mirror factory and smashed everything with the black cat. Because the run of bad form and bad luck is extraordinary. It's still really hard to piece together what happened to them at the end of uh, the restart when, until the last day, their form was hapless, helpless, um, having been so interesting and so mature until that point. And in the pre-season, to have so many injuries, but also so many players who've been invalided out because of COVID. And at the moment, we can happily say that all of those players seem to either have recovered or they are recovering well and that the picture isn't desperate with the infections. But it has ripped through Imanol's ability to prepare well. Um, They put a couple of games in a day, which I think nominally he could have split his first-team squad up into two. But instead, because of the amount of players he's had missing, he had to play, I'm sure it was Abar and and maybe Osasuna. I'll go back and check if you really want me to. Whereby he had to play in one game just a barrel load of kids which is great <laughs> for the kids' experience, but not great for preparing for the start of La Liga. The The threat is that we see um, a Real Sociedad, which even given the loss of Odegaard, who was so good in the first half of last season, is possibly better. Each of the rest of the players who've remained have got that much more experience and have got the stimulus of fighting back against that taint of failure whereby they started after the pandemic shut down in a Champions League position and then blew it. That should be a, a spur to them, a thorn in their side. But the key thing is David Silva gives them some of the things they were missing, even with Odegaard. Odegaard's second half of the season was tainted by tendonitis in his knee. That didn't allow him to play at the same level in the first few months, as in the first few months, pardon me. Silva, I think, provides more tempo control, more experience. He's a better footballer, as sexy it is to watch the Norwegian coming of age, final age, 2021. And as sad as it is that even though Lariel and he both wanted this to be a two-year deal, it's an indication of his form that Zidane said, no, I want him back now. Nevertheless, Silva patently gets into spaces, demands the ball and uses the ball in a way which can help Lariel Um, control the tempo of games which they weren't able to when they began to go against them. Now, I think that's almost as crucial as whether he can delight us with his skills, create assists and goals. It's, It's having somebody in the middle of the pitch that says, we press the accelerator, we press the brakes, we take time out, we circulate the ball, we make the other team chase, um, I release, um, Oyarthabal or let's say, um, Porto, William Jose, I released them and Isaac with with better use of the ball so that the forwards are making more intelligent runs. It's it's all a chain. It's all linked. The excitement is there. Um, clearly at the end of the last season, um, it wasn't you know obvious to Imanol who their best keeper was. Now with Silva's salary, there won't be a huge amount of money in it. In fact, 
I wouldn't be shocked if there maybe even were a couple of departures. I hope, Daniel, very much indeed, that what we see is the best of L'Areal, which I don't think makes them a top four team because they haven't added solidity at the back, which I think is one of their pending assignments. But they can easily threaten the top four. They should finish top six, seven. And with any luck, they enjoy the European adventure. Uh, and also, now that the Anoeta is so fantastic compared to the old Anoeta, <laughs> let's hope that fans there and everywhere are allowed back soon, meaning that we've beaten the pandemic. Wow. Finley, Daniel, Richard, I hope that answers all of your questions. Thank you to the three of you. Thank you to all our socios who sent in questions for this show and the previous one, which was about um, Leo Messi and Barcelona. That one's still on the feed if you haven't listened to it yet. Thanks to Graham for answering those questions and thanks to you for listening. And we'll be back with some more big interviews very soon. Listen, it's been fantastic to talk to all of you. Thanks for all the questions.